0: Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here today with Chris and Chelsea. Hello. Hey everybody. (laughs) And we're digging into the second part of Ephesians, first part of
0: Colossians. What do you think? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, we should talk about all the things in here about households. We should talk about, I mean, I think we should talk about Colossians and kind of set it up a little bit. So what do you want to start with?
2: We should probably start with Ephesians. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. That makes
0: more sense. <laughs> is this a planning session? Like are we recording the
1: episode or are we just like, I don't know, what do you think, guys? So hey, we are gonna talk about the
2: various relationships that we see called out in Ephesians chapter five. We've got a passage to wives and husbands, we've got a passage to children and parents, and then a passage to slaves and masters. And I actually think the most important verse in the entire passage is verse twenty one. That before we get into the specifics, it says, further submit yourselves one to another out of reverence for Christ. So before Paul even gets into specific instructions, he sets up this idea of we should all be concerned with continually submitting ourselves to other people, whatever that relationship is that we have. And then he gets into some specifics. But
1: verse 21 is very important. Sometimes we leave that one out. I like these passages. He, these are these are Christian household codes, and these pop up in a couple of different letters, um, where there's just like t- tangible, cut and dried expectations. Like if you're this, do this. If you're this, do this. If you're this, do this. I like it because it's it, it shows that faith is not something that's like off in the distance and like higher, you know. Like, there's real things we need to do because of this. And so, like, I, I gravitate towards those kind of passages anyway. That's why I love James. Um, but this is like, hey, if you're a wife, submit to your husband. If you're a husband, like, love your wife like Christ loves the church. Um, so, so <laughs> to that note, uh, this passage, I think the, the wives and husbands passage, um, in my experience, lots of times we like to teach about wives submitting to husbands, but we oftentimes don't talk a lot about husbands mm-hmm. loving wives like Christ loves the church.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that. (laughs) I'm
1: just kidding. Um, Yeah, I mean, like, I I remember hearing different people joke about, like, all those submission passages. And it's like, well, honestly, like, Jesus gave his life for the church. Mm. That seems kind of important. Like, Jesus died because he loved the church. That seems like a higher calling than just, like, yeah, do what
0: he says. Yeah. (laughs) I think, I mean, when you look at it holistically, it's a very beautiful passage about how we're supposed to live our lives as Christians, whether. Like, married or not, I mean, we're su- supposed to submit to one another, like Chris just said. But um, it's a like it's a beautiful picture of marriage. When you're submitting to one another, there's harmony and peace, and mm. it's exactly what it looks like within the church, too.
2: And there, in all three of these groupings, there is a little bit of a radical cultural element, too, that, uh, you know, this was not just written in a vacuum. And so Paul is dealing with first century culture here and he's moving it closer to a godly standard. He's not necessarily going straight to utopia or heaven on earth. And so when we see uh, wives giving some of the respect that they're given, when we see children being addressed, uh, and also then later slaves, those would have been, the of the pairs that are listed, those would have been considered the lesser or the ones that were less valuable in this culture. And Paul is bringing them closer to equality. He's bringing them closer to a step uh, there. You know, sometimes even the slaves in passage master's passages looked at as like here was an opportunity for paul to totally disavow slavery mm. and i do think biblically we shouldn't have institutions of slavery but paul was moving this towards equality so that eventually slavery could be abolished the same way he was giving rights to kids who had no rights in this kind of a culture and he was giving uh the the right to women for a husband to love his wife in the first century that was actually a radical idea mm. like it feels strange for us. And we're like, how is this even, of course, husbands should love their wives, but no, that, that was a totally radical idea. And, uh, it was something revolutionary. Like the husband's jaw would have dropped at that one. Right now, when we hear this, we go, Oh, we focused on the submission, but the husbands would have been like, I'm going to love my wife. She's my property. Why do I have to do that? Mm. Um, so there, there's also a radical element that makes this even, I think it makes it more interesting. And, uh, like we can even look at this today and say, okay, so what would be timeless? How do we need to do this? And that's where I think verse 21 is the most timeless of all the verses that we need to be walking more towards equality uh, in these different relationships.
1: So just just to add to like the scandalous nature of these passages in the first century, even fathers don't provoke your children to anger by the way you treat yep. them. That's pretty wild. I mean, like that that actually still feels pretty crazy like how could i possibly not frustrate my kids <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah that's actually we we talk about that at our house a lot it's something that um our i mean titus for sure probably knows this verse of the bible because like that's something that doesn't well apologize for if we're apologizing to our kids he'll be i'm sorry for making you angry the mm-hmm. bible says i shouldn't be doing that mm-hmm. or like provoking you to do this um and so it's pretty like to come to a point where you're apologizing to your kids or like showing them love in that yeah. way i think it's hmm. again a beautiful picture of family a, that, you know, it's pretty countercultural to do that. I think it doesn't
1: just feel crazy in the first century; that feels a little crazy mm. in the century we're in right now. Right? Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, should we talk about the whole armor of God? <laughs> do you want to talk about that? It's a good thing. I do want to. I-, I asked this before we start recording, but I think what your answer was really great, and I want everyone to know it. Um, why the analogy of the armor of God? Why has Paul use that analogy? To talk about it.
1: That would be your answer, Ryan.
0: That would be your answer. <laughs>
1: Um, so, Roman soldiers, Rome was taking over the, basically, Rome was the prevailing power. They had many, many, many countries occupied at this point. And so, Paul oftentimes is writing to people who are not necessarily citizens of Rome by choice, they're citizens of Rome by occupation. And so, one of the most, I don't, like, one of the scenes that they were most used to seeing is these soldiers who are representative of Roman force, like, overwhelming their lands. And so it was, it was a really prominent image in people's minds to see these heavily armored soldiers. A lot of times these are people in, uh, not not all the time, but a lot of times these are people who are not necessarily around military, heavy military imagery like that. Like Rome was beyond powerful. So they're not used to seeing, you know, full breastplates and giant helmets and really crazy battle shoes. <laughs> these are battle shoes. Um, <laughs> But it's an image that most people would have got immediately, because it's like, oh, yeah, I know those guys. So that's that's what's happening here. He's using a very common image, an image that would come into people's minds immediately. And he's saying like, hey, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, do this.
2: Uh, I think the other interesting thing on this is that stood out to me through the years is that the way the armor is described is actually all things that were given at salvation. So Paul, he's actually encouraging the Ephesians, like, you are equipped— you have what you need, and you know. I remember even growing up as a kid, there was always this thing like, wake up in the morning, put on the armor of God. Uh, <laughs> and then one day somebody said, "Well, what, did you ever take it off?" And I think it's. You know, I mean, it's. There's some good in rehearsing this and and rehearsing your identity in Christ, but mm-hmm. it. I grew up thinking it, the armor of God was more works that I accomplished, and when it switched to for me to realize this was actually identity of what Christ accomplished, that actually held more significance for me. And so I think Paul's encouraging the Ephesians, especially in the crazy place of Ephesus, that, hey, they're equipped. They they have what they need to fight this battle.
0: Yeah, that's good. I also want to point out at the end of this passage about the whole armor of God that Paul talks about being in chains and his prayers to, he asks them to pray for boldness for him. Um, not that he'll be released from prison or any sort of comfort for him, but just boldness in preaching the gospel, which I think is... I mean, so characteristic of Paul. We see that a couple times throughout his letters, but I love it when he does that. I'm always like, oh man, <laughs> that would not be my prayer request. <laughs> Oftentimes when Paul talks about prayer,
1: it's exhausting to me. I'm like, how am I supposed <laughs> to pray about all these things at all times? I <laughs> have a hard enough time. That it's hard. We'll pray for you. Yeah, thanks. Add it to your list at all times. At all times, at all times. At all times forever. How about Colossians? <laughs> yeah. Should we talk about that a little bit? How
0: about it? I love the book of Colossians. It's one of my favorites um and one of my favorite passages is right here in the beginning where paul does this uh i don't know if it's a song it probably was a song or a poem or something for the church can you sing it (laughs) no not right now that's for later it's a bonus episode um but it's a beautiful like theological Mm. poem or yeah something that's just it's beautiful and it's just a reminder of um, who Christ is, who God is, what he accomplished, and it's not things that these, this church would have known um, because of their salvation and how they received the gospel, but good reminders, like just basic reminders of who God is and who Christ is. Um, because when we know those things, everything flows out of that. Like our theology informs everything that we do.
2: So. Yeah, and like most New Testament letters, there's an element of false teaching that's being combated here too. Mm-hmm. Um there's even a name for the false teaching in Col- in Colossians called the Colossian heresy. Uh, and it was basically a mishmash of all kinds of different prevailing teachings. Uh, the big theological word is called syncretism, uh, that they took all these different things and kind of added Christianity to that. Uh, and so Paul was kind of, he's trying to teach pure Christianity, um, but he's also kind of coming against some of these false claims. So there's elements here that talks about Jesus being God. There's elements here that talks about Jesus being man, uh, that Christ is superior above all other philosophies and systems. So Paul's kind of, he's trying to encourage the church to get back to pure Christianity because they're blending their faith with some of these other false teachings. And that's it's a good challenge for us. I mean, it's very easy to kind of slip into uh, ideologies and add some whether it's cultural ideologies or political ideologies or when I, to add that to our faith. And all of a sudden, our Christianity doesn't just look biblical, but it's biblical and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think it's it's good for us to once in a while kind of go back to the basic truths of the gospel, which Colossians chapter one is a beautiful passage about just some of the foundational truths of who Jesus is and how he's supreme.
0: Yeah, that'd be a good thing to read like on your own, your actual Bible, go through and underline all these like different truths of, yeah, who Christ is and what we believe.
1: Uh, I love That's how, your homework. <laughs> uh, shoot, there's homework on this podcast. Uh. Um, I love how often Paul is just teaching what seems to be like pretty basic things about who Jesus is. Uh, some of Paul's most valuable sermons to his most difficult congregations is a reminder of who you decided to follow, mm-hmm. and I wonder how applicable that is to us. I think it's probably wildly applicable because it's it's. It, I get that you want to hear some kind of like new or more compelling thing. I get that. But actually what's most helpful is to be constantly reminded of who it is that we serve and what it is that he did for us over and over and over again.
2: And the thing is that constant reminder as as you're saying that I'm thinking of like the things that have meant the most to me through the years is not a brand new idea that I've never heard before, but it's when an idea that I've heard before, like it comes alive in a fresh way. It comes Mm -hmm. alive in a deeper way. I mean, all of us probably have times in our life where like, we sang Jesus loves me since a little kid, but like when the love of God hits us and goes deeper, we might use the same words, but it's, it, there's a different depth to it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's kind of what's going on here. We're not looking for like, well, nobody's ever come up with this idea before. So write a PhD paper about that. Like it's no, this is the essence of our faith, but it just keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper.
0: Yeah. it's good.
1: <laughs> All right, guys, we'll see you again tomorrow. We're going to be, uh, in Colossians. In Colossians. <laughs> going to finish your Chelsea's, for you. <laughs> Chelsea's favorite book. Apparently, she's really excited about that. I am. So, we'll see you then. Bye. Bye.
0: Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 15. So, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body, the church." As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she'll be holy and without fault, in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord slaves obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear serve them sincerely as you would serve christ try to please them all the time not just when they are watching you as slaves of christ do the will of god with all your heart work with enthusiasm as though you are working for the lord rather than for people remember that the lord will reward each one of us for the good we do whether we are slaves or free masters treat your slaves in the same way don't threaten them remember you both have the same master in heaven and he has no favorites A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news, so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery errors of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me, too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador, so pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. To bring you up to date, Tychicus will give you a full report about what I am doing and how I am getting along. He is a beloved brother and faithful helper in the Lord's work. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we are doing and to encourage you. Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters, and may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ.
2: Colossians chapter 1, starting verse 1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from our brother Timothy. We are writing to God's holy people in the city Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. We always pray for you and give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which comes from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. The same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear Son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything, in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can't see and the things we can see, just such as the thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far off from God. You were his enemies separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurances you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servants to proclaim it.